Hi, and welcome to the Insiders by Durham Lane, where we get perspectives from industry thought leaders about strategies that are unifying marketing and sales cycles to help accelerate growth inside your world. Welcome to the Insiders Sales and Marketing Podcast. I'm Simon Hazeldean. I'm a sales transformation strategist and sales performance consultant, helping my clients get more sales more often with more margin. I'm also a keynote speaker and author of seven books on sales and negotiation. I'm your host, along with my co-host, the one and only Richard Lane, who is co-founder of Durham Lane. Durham Lane are an inside sales partner that helps businesses to grow their revenue through an integrated sales and marketing methodology. So, Richard, fantastic to be back in the Insiders studio again with you. I'm going to hand over to you to introduce our guest for this episode. Great. Thanks, Simon. And yes, great to be back in the podcast studio. Thrilled to be joined today by Darren Atkins. Darren is the Marketing Director at Sabre. Really looking forward to our conversation today around the world of marketing, sales, integration, and everything in between. So, Simon, back to you to get us started. Darren, welcome to the Insiders. Um, What we normally do is ask our guests just to give a little bit of background, you know, how you came to be in the role you're in currently, just so the Insiders listeners can uh, get to know you a little bit before we move into some of the other questions. Great. Okay. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. Um, How far do you want me to go back? (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. I I probably start with marketing. So I I was at Sony, B2B side of Sony for quite a while, about 20 years. Initially joined in sales, then moved into marketing. And then around 2010 time when kind of marketing automation was becoming a thing. And out of that grew the idea of demand marketing. And I was a big advocate initially of kind of the methodologies of serious decisions and the demand waterfall. And that kind of drove my marketing beliefs and behaviors for a number of years whilst I was still at Sony. Then I left there and went to join a team at Canon, doing a similar role, heading up demand marketing, then moved on into the travel space. Opportunity opened up to do a new role there, again, leading a a demand function and did that for a couple of years, was initially enjoying that role but then as often happens some kind of frustrations crept in and I wasn't getting out of the role what I wanted and I saw an opportunity at a competitor of the company I was at offering a role that looked absolutely ideal hence here I am and and the reason I think the role's ideal is that it's just an opportunity here at Sabre to lead a global team but with a real opportunity to drive some real demand thinking and some best practice so that's kind of where I am here today. Wonderful one of those uh, slightly awkward conversations then when you let your boss know that you're moving you're moving to a competitor so uh... (laughs) where are you going I can't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Funny enough I I was open and honest and and, I think I was the 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 way to go I think I think I just laid it on the line and it, it was fine I mean I, it was um, it was well managed and honestly on both parties I was I didn't get shown out the door I still served my notice and I think we're still reasonably friendly <laughs> which is always is always a good way to leave it so there's some kind of impressive names in your CV and so you know you've run demand gen campaigns for several companies now what do you think are the most important factors that people need to take into consideration it may sound simple and obvious but In my experience, the most critical thing is being really explicitly clear on objectives right up the front. If you don't get that right, in my experience, that's kind of what leads everything else to go wrong. 
need to be really clear about what it is we're trying to achieve, how we're going to track and measure success, and then look at how we optimize against those metrics and, and targets you've set at the outset. I think not getting that right is typically where things start to go wrong. Yeah, it's it's actually, uh, Darren, it's kind of like a recurring comment from guests on The Insiders, and, and everybody almost sort of slightly apologizes and says, I know this sounds obvious, but... <laughs> It's really important to have clear objectives. And so, yes, it might be obvious, but clearly it's something that is sometimes, you know, overlooked. For sure. And I think that's in every role I've been in. I've, you know, there's some impressive brands and you think I'm like, they must have got it right. I'm going, it's only maybe not because I say it was at the outset of the idea of demand marketing really becoming a thing. But then moving to Canon and moving to um, my previous role to this and even here, you kind of think, well, well-established companies, they're leaders in their field, they must have got this nailed down and be doing it. And and, and it never is. It's, it, there's always aspects, greater or smaller, in terms of still talking about awareness or even having metrics that are more output-focused than outcome-focused. Yes. I think that's still quite typical um, wherever you go, it seems to me. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a you know it's a it's a common theme. Certainly, I experienced Richard in, in your experience from a Durham Lane focus on kind of very clear objectives. How do how do you approach that with your folks? Yeah, I was well. I was just thinking as, as Darren said that we we sort of obsess over I, I call them four buckets, Darren. So we talk about input. So who you know that's the, the, the I guess that would be the objectives, the clarity, the focus, output. So the, sort of in our gift in terms of the effort that we put in the creativity that we bring to it the you know thinking that we put into um trying to create the results outcomes which are the key piece and then i think really importantly insight as well so whether someone is interested or not i think our customers want to know why and so by bringing that insight back i think you close the loop and then that takes you back to the beginning to you know review okay so based on that what do the inputs need to look like again so I was just thinking then the insiders MBA Simon that could be a spin-off couldn't it because uh, yeah. <laughs> so so much of so much of business is is sort of staring you in the face we sometimes uh I think get a bit focused internally and, and forget what's in front of us. Yeah, but there's a real. I think there's a real challenge sometimes in in organisations because of the complexity and how fast everything is moving to to make sure you've got some of those fundamental disciplines nailed. And they're they're sometimes I think easy to say, but not so difficult to kind of execute. Like Darren's saying, you know that 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 clarity of objective, for example, before you do anything else. The thing is. Right. It's, it's not easy. So, so ultimately what I'm trying to do, and I wouldn't say I always achieve it, it's, it's, it's a massive challenge in terms of correlating revenue with marketing activities. Being able to look at that all the way through the pipeline to what's the impact of your doing here that's driving revenue. And doing that is, is hard. It, it, there's no getting away from it. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. And every company's got its own challenges in doing that as it has at Sabre today. One of the things we're, I've been focusing on for the last few months is is defining a really clear marketing metric that is worthy of putting on the leadership scoreboard. Yeah. And and that isn't in honesty at this point driving to revenue. It's where we're trying to go, but it's a it's a key metric we've now agreed is the best we can do today, whilst we're still moving towards that real kind of holy grail of really correlating marketing to revenue. 
Yeah, which I guess, like you say, it is the uh, the Holy Grail, um, which is which is going to be a kind of a difficult a difficult thing to achieve. And I, and another thing that I think a lot of our listeners tell us, you know, that they they find difficult or struggling with or working their way through is you know sales and marketing alignment. So it's a, it's a key concern. And when we were having a conversation before we started to record the episode, you mentioned you had a an example uh, when you were with Canon that you thought it would be kind of good for, for our listeners to hear about and to, and to learn from. So we'd be, be fascinated to kind of hear the story there. Yeah, so the kind of the real difference at Canon was they'd set up what, what was called a, a sales and marketing excellence function, which was essentially there to establish best practice across the company in terms of combining sales and marketing. So rather than in every other company I've been in where you've got a sales function vertical and a marketing function vertical and they don't meet in terms of management structure until you get right to the top this was a vp of sales and marketing who was ensuring that everything we did considered sales and marketing together and so everything we did whether it was a campaign or a program or any kind of initiative was done jointly between sales and marketing i think one example of what I think I can recall where that, that came about was there's a, a fantastic piece of work that the sales side had started looking at and developing, which was around the whole go-to-market structure. So Canon was selling both directly to large corporates as well as through channel partners and well as even some kind of online sales as well. And it was looking at comparing potential share of wallet versus current share of wallet and therefore Based on that, should we have a dedicated account team? Should we use inside sales teams? Should we use our channel partners? And it kind of made loads of sense. But then we brought that together and said, well, okay, what's marketing's role in that? And how could marketing support each of those different go-to-market strategies? And based on what marketing was saying we could do well or we would struggle to do, that reflected back into that go-to-market planning. And you got a joint approach of what's going to be the optimal approach for each of those go-to-market strategies. And I think it was, it just, it was just a, a great example of not doing something in isolation and then trying to figure out where does the other team play. It was kind of doing it right up front and thinking about the optimal performance for the company. I think that was the best structure I've seen in terms of really driving that sales and marketing alignment. Yeah, rather than sort of one being bolted onto the other yeah. late in the day and therefore being, you know, a lot less impactful. I wonder whether sort of ABM methodologies facilitate that integration, that one connected approach. Would you agree with that? I see today in, in other companies where sales and marketing works best is where you've got a, an established ABM methodology and function. And, and obviously by its nature and definition, ABM is not going to work and, unless you've got really strong alignment between sales and marketing. But I think that the difference between that is, is where I see that working well even here doesn't mean that same alignment applies outside of the ABM program. So we're running other demand programs that aren't ABM um, aligned. And that alignment is not as strong as it is in the ABM program, which is what, again, what I'm trying to improve and, and shift. But that's what the, the difference that Canon was, was, was every go-to-market strategy you had, whether it was ABM or not, was still thought about from the perspective of sales and marketing together and not as you said, um, Simon, trying to bolt on once you've made a decision. It is really interesting because, I mean, at, at Durham Lane, we've we've created a, a sort of RevOps role. So we have a, which which I think is is becoming more and more popular and certainly coming over from the US, it's becoming more more common in the UK. So that's a, you know, a RevOps role typically owns new business sales, owns marketing and is responsible for customer success as well. We've, that's, that's how we've pulled those 
those three areas together. And that, that works really well for us. So we do have that connectedness. You still have to work really hard, though, <laughs> to, to make sure. Because even, even though you've got one person at the top that is responsible for those, you've still got to then get those three parts working working well. And, and we've got some really excellent examples of how that works. I think we've also got some excellent examples of how we have to work hard to make it work. So I see ABM as an enabler from a yeah, as a, a term and a, and a strategy. I, I think there's where we play, Darren, particularly is in that sort of what I would call always on type mindset. So uh, I think we're going to talk about the baton analogy later on and whether that's right or wrong. But it's the connectedness between your functions to ensure that when the right person inside the right type of company that you've decided is is the fit for your business, when they show a sign of of interest that needs to be taken through and nurtured and I, and I just see a, a big chasm there across a lot of organizations still where that interest is created and and that's a tick in the box for marketing but then there's just a gap I don't think anyone's doing anything wrong there's just a gap between responsibilities to really nurture that conversation through into what I would call a sales ready meaningful opportunity sort of oven baked sales opportunity as it were rather than someone's shown a bit of interest and I think that possibly is where the where the gap exists today so in, in terms of that gap, Darren, um, your, your thoughts on where a, a lead is passed over from marketing to sales, people talk about passing over the bat on that kind of thing. What's your perspective on how at Sabre you, you make sure that that happens and it's effective and it, and it doesn't get dropped, I suppose, for want of, for want of better language? I do worry that the idea of baton passing sets the wrong expectation right up front in terms of that there's a role for marketing and then at some point, and that point may differ, um, it gets passed to sales and then marketing do what? Step away and stop working that opportunity? Um, and so I, I don't kind of subscribe to the idea of a baton passing. If, if I had to think of an analogy, I was thinking about this, but we, it's more kind of in my mind the idea of a, of a more modern football team, right? If I go back to when I used to play football, it was a very strict four-four-two. Everybody knew their role: defenders defended, and attackers attacked, and that it all got defined roles. Whereas today in football, where you see the best teams are playing it, it's a much more fluid um, approach where defenders attack and attackers track back and defend as well. So sorry if you're not into football, but um, I kind of see it as, as it's kind of morphed into that that roles will change and differ based on the, the program you're trying to run and the objective you're trying to drive against. There will be slightly different roles for sales for some opportunities and slightly different roles for marketing. And it's not a, a strict line or one passes to the other. And and I think that's to your point, I think, Richard, of, yes, I think you're right. And it's, it's often easy to kind of say the marketing stop here and sales do that. But we know certainly in terms of ABM that that kind of, marketing's role doesn't stop when a lead gets converted to an opportunity. Marketing's role is still there to try and help sales convert that opportunity. And as you say, if we're looking at things like insights and intent, you may even still be tracking some behaviours there that may warrant marketing getting back involved more than they were planning to because the deal seems to be going cold or it's not getting it's not crashing through the pipeline as fast as we were expecting it to. So I don't think it's a, a strict line of baton passing. It's more of a trying to understand there's different roles that change over time and in each opportunity. Maybe it's more who's accountable at what moment. You know, that's probably the right yeah. way because there's a supporting yeah. cast. One thing we always we always talk about in, in both our training externally and, and with our team internally is that the moments of interaction that 
we have with any potential customer before they become a customer are very minimal, really, compared to the amount of conversation that must be happening inside their organization for them to make a decision to change or to to buy from you. So it's probably more around who's got the ball. I'm going to try your football analogy. Who's got the ball at which time <laughs> and who's running to support them? And you know, there's no point doing a well, you know, when you used to watch your your kids play football when they were just at those early days of it, and there would always be one kid that would just dribble forever and dribble himself or herself into a corner. Well, if no one's supporting them and they don't pass the ball, then the net result is probably the same, isn't it? Sounds like watching my team today, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> watching the team today. Yeah. Well, Alan Sammy Max, Maximan from Newcastle, I always I always think is a little bit toddler like in in, a, in his you know one amazing ability, but two the uh, inability to pass the ball. No offense, Alan. I really like the analogy, you know, that that more sort of the more fluidity and agility about it. And I think it is, analogies help, right? And it it would be a rather ridiculous situation in any decent football team, like our wonderful English Lionesses, who are their, their, their recent, their recent victory. You don't pass the ball and then go, right, that's my job done, right? So that sense of collective responsibility as well, probably is something to be nurtured. Isn't it interesting, Simon, that in business, people do exactly that? Yeah, yeah. Which is sort of, sort of weird really I, I always think business is so strange in that we we do everything outside of of work in a sort of what you would call a, a normal natural way yet sometimes when we get into work we become siloed and we think well that's not my responsibility or that's not mine to do what why does that happen i don't know yeah and i think that's just been a really great challenge from darren to the metaphor of the baton or the analogy of the baton passing as though it's been passed over and that's it and i think that's definitely something to think about for folks listening in about the mindset you know is really important because that starts to drive behavior been sort of talking around abm and you you mentioned in our pre-interview that you use abm to influence existing customers to develop a more positive perception of of your company and your brand and you know and um previous comment as well about share of wallet right so obviously the easiest people to get business from typically would be existing customers so be really interested in your perception and approach on that yes i think that saber what's kind of nuanced i think in the travel industry as a whole it is it's quite a defined set of potential customers there's not that many airlines in the world there's not that many agencies travel agencies that we work with and in actual fact there's not that many competitors so we know all of our target customers and they know us and they know our competitors so there's there's no real or there's very limited net new opportunity there most of what we're trying to do as you said is drive repeat business drive loyalty drive upsell drive cross-sell so that's where abm plays pretty well when we're thinking about looking at key deals we must win or either retain or we'll try and win back that's kind of where abm plays well but I think that, that what we talked about before and what I've, I've seen is I, I think for us, a lot of that is is about brand perception. And I think there's been a bit of a pendulum shift back in terms of the idea of demand marketing in recent years or certainly the last 12 months where I think people have recognized that some of the bad practices of lead generation were just not working. And, and I'd say lead generation in the worst sense of the word where somebody would be downloading an ebook and getting chipped over the wall to an inside sales team to inside sales to try and follow up. But they downloaded an ebook. It was an interesting ebook. Yeah, I didn't mean I want to buy anything. And I think that shift back now to understanding that there's a lot more we need to do to um, even get potential customers in a mindset of where the right 
company they should be looking to deal with. That's the brand perspective. And it always resonates with me. So I look back, I mentioned about being in sales initially. And when I was in sales at Sony, a lot of my competitors used to moan and bemoan the fact that it wasn't fair because I could always get a meeting with any client I wanted to because I was from Sony. And they were probably right. Yeah, that, that's the power of the brand is because I, would, I got those four letters behind me, I could always get a meeting. Didn't mean I'd close it, but I'd always get in the door. And I think that's a key part when we think about demand marketing. There's a key role for marketing there about getting that door open for sales, making sure if sales want to call that prospect, they're willing to take their call. And then also beyond that, making sure that that prospect or customer has got as positive perception of your company as you want them to have and they understand your proposition and ideally they understand why you're better than the competition. The better marketing can lay the groundwork for that, the easier sales role is going to be. And I think that certainly at, at Sabre is a big part of our role is, is that brand perception perspective rather than, as I said, trying to drive net new leads. Darren, what's, um, what's your experience of marketing's role in growing your base so as in so we, we've just done this at Durham Lane recently is we've you know marketing for us has always been around brands and trying to create net new customers we've refocused some of that effort into um, how does marketing help our customer success team to grow our base do you see much of that happening or is it still very outwardly focused? I think it's a, always a balance, right? So I'm getting get off the fence in a minute, but um, <laughs> I think it, I think that, I think that's the challenge, right? Is, is there's there's no there's no right or wrong. There's no black and white. That there's there's the brand piece you've got to be putting out, as I've just said, about making sure that people know who you are, what you stand for, what you can deliver. Um, then there's a piece about trying to understand who's in play, who's potentially in market today, and how can you help? How do you prioritize and identify who they are so that inside sales teams or sales teams can focus on the highest potential prospects and where to devote their time? Um, and then as we've also talked about, that's not where marketing's role ends. You've still got to then drive, drive that through. So I don't, I don't really answer your question, but I don't, I don't see marketing's role being kind of one thing or the other. It's, as we were saying earlier about the kind of football team analogy, it's trying to figure out what you need, need to play for that particular game and what's going to work best. Yeah. I think the um, just to loop back to your previous comments, obviously, Sabre, your your client universe is defined, I guess, and therefore cross-selling, upselling has to be a priority. It's just very interesting. In my experience working with some of my clients and some of their sales teams or account managers, the cross-selling, upselling is often missed enormously. And I've lost count of the number of clients who've said to me, we mentioned this to the customer and the customer said, I didn't know you did that, is just, <laughs> you know, legion. It is quite frightening because because we assume our customers are aware of the breadth of our portfolio and service offering, and and they're not, and they sometimes put you in a little box uh, that they have they have in their yeah. mind. So I think it's very convenient, uh, Simon. When you buy something, you're buying someone for a specific yeah. reason, and so you get sort of selective perception kicks in, and you think that's what they do. Just a funny story: we before we really honed in and focused on outsourced marketing and sales and that integrated approach, we used to deliver three services. Essentially, we did training, recruitment, and outsourced services. It was even on our logo, so it said Durham Lane Training outsourcing recruitment or whatever however it was and we had people said oh i didn't know you did recruitment <laughs> it, was yeah. on the, it was it was on the logo um but but people still don't see it because they're 
very focused around the thing that they want. A key kind of job there, I think, to make sure that we're not, you know, we're not missing a, a trick with the customer's awareness. And um, Darren, when we were talking before we came on air, um, it was a slightly provocative comment, which was which was really great. That you mentioned your perception was that sales leaders don't stay as up to speed with best practices and new development as as marketers do. And that's that's a really interesting one. So what makes you say that? And therefore, what do you think sales leaders should be doing about this? Because that's that's a bit of a concerning comment. I'm not sure I phrased it quite as bullish as that, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, sorry, Darren, I'm paraphrasing you. Perhaps, I'm, I'm, just, so. I'm just looking for any sales leaders coming down the yeah. corridor right now. But, um, None of your current <laughs> colleagues. <laughs> um, to, to be fair, I don't, I don't have any proof. I don't have any data to back this up. It, it's a perception I have that certainly myself and other marketing leaders I've seen are usually quite willing to attend B2B marketing events. Actually, I did go to one recently and bemoan that it wasn't actually that good and it was a waste of my time. But I always get a sense that marketing leaders are more willing to do that and to stay abreast of best practice. Obviously, there's been a lot of change in marketing over years. You just said about maybe even a shift back from lead generation to more brand focus work over the last 12, 18 months that I think I'm seeing when I, I read stuff on LinkedIn or even attend those events, that there's quite a lot of change. And But I've never really seen sales leaders doing the same thing. Now, I don't know if that's because events don't really exist for them as much as they do for marketing or whether sales believe that they that there is nothing new and they already know everything around it. Um, and it, but one example which kind of which stuck in my mind about it and maybe why it's still still there as a perception which may be wrong is I mentioned serious decisions earlier when when we were attending some of their events when I was at Sony back in I don't know 2011 2012 found them really great the VP of EMEA came along to one thought they were really great said all oh, the sales leaders need to come along because there's a load of stuff there that sales could learn from and so the next year we all went and there was about a couple of marketing leaders and five sales leaders ahead of each business division and whilst a couple of them seemed to be relatively engaged two of them didn't even look up from their phones for the whole session right they just were not they were there because the VP had said they had to go but they got no interest in listening or anything their minds was just shut um, and that may just be the individual but that's maybe what's cause my belief that sales aren't as willing to go and listen to latest best practices what I perceive marketing to be. Yeah, and I think that's, I I have to say, maybe the question was a bit more bullish because I think I actually have the same perception, Darren. So <laughs> my apologies. I might have been, I might have been projecting some of my experience when I phrase that question, but it's a bit like, my goodness, if you don't think the world of sales is changing, then I mean, my goodness, right? We know, you know, you're aware marketing is, of course, and but sales is evolving and, and changing, and you know what used to work just just probably doesn't work anymore. And uh, uh, Richard, your your perception from Durham Lane? Maybe personal perception rather than from Durham Lane. But we we could spend a, an entire podcast talking about this topic. I think, guys, I, I I take it right back to university, even right. So on an MBA, there will always be. A module on marketing. There will very rarely, if ever, be a module on sales. Mm. This is a pet a hobby horse of mine, by the way, just sort of warning. It's also recognized that a sales job doesn't count as a graduate job. Mm -hmm. So universities are not incentivized 
to signpost anybody into the world of sales because it doesn't go against their quota from a government point of view. So that's concerning because it means that it's not seen to be a profession. There's lots of work happening. I was on an APPG all parliamentary panel for this uh, a number of years ago, sort of investigating why. And that was, that was quite some quite interesting output from that. And I just think marketing's done a much better job of selling itself than sales has, which is sort of an irony. Um, <laughs> But it seemed to be more of a business function, whereas the sales team, like old school sales team, they need to be on the road. They need to be in front of customers. There's no time to go to a, what do you mean you want to go and learn learn some stuff? You, know, it's like you haven't got time for that. So I think there's a whole complex sort of a, array of stuff in there. And people, frankly, if they do their number, probably haven't been challenged to ever develop themselves. And that world is changing so fast. I think if you're not open, if you're not looking at new ways of doing business, if you're not opening your eyes and ears to new new practices and approaches, as I think the world of sales and marketing comes together, if you think of the top of our podcast was all about everyone's got to work together, you've got to be the football team, agility, fluidity. So it's coming together into that one space. So I think if you if you don't want to learn, then you'll get left behind. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing a lot of work with clients on social selling, and 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 the where most most of the salespeople I've been encountering are with that as a general topic. I realise that's a problem is actually quite concerning. You got to say when you look at how how the customers are behaving and interacting with with social. So so if I if I can, I'll just do a quick shout out to Durham Lane's new business sales team because we've got a young group. They are excellent in terms of how they prospect using all different types of media. They're, I would say they're so focused on business fit and business value. They go in on a consultative approach and deliver value. Whether, whether that customer ends up buying from us or not, they will have had a good interaction with our business. And that's the way it's changing. There isn't room anymore for people that just want to you know, dial for dollars sort of thing. I think that's it. The, the bit you said, something all about social selling, it certainly spunk to mind again we're going back to my time at canon in that kind of sales and marketing aligned environment i think it just came about more by osmosis than than intentional but everyone seemed to latch on at some point into the linkedin social selling index yes (laughs) and i forgot how we i can't even think how we latched onto this but then because we've been trying to talk to sales about um sales playbooks and looking at more how they could contribute to the marketing objectives and and that social selling approach and we gave them a little bit of initial training but what really drove the difference in sales willingness to start doing social selling was the competition aspect where we where where we we published a league table every month of who got the highest ssi score and that's (laughs) that drove it through the roof in terms of sales willingness to get onto social media and start doing something Somebody, I think, very, very smart at LinkedIn went, "Hey, you know what? If we dangle a number in front of them, they're just gonna they're just gonna fight each other to get the highest the highest score." He hasn't sold anything, but he's got a great index. I think what I was going to say as well, when you were saying about, um, it, I can imagine sales throwing that back at marketing of, I haven't got time to go and look at, go to a conference. I've got a number on my head. You haven't. That's why you can go and get, go to a conference. I can imagine that being thrown back at marketing straight away. Wouldn't it be great? I think, wouldn't it be disruptive for, we talk about something that don't one team, one approach. And we try and live that around the business. But imagine an org where marketing and sales are comped and rewarded together as one. 
I think that would be great. I've also advocated the idea of removing the, the terminology of sales and marketing. And as you said, having a revenue function, you don't say yeah. who's in sales and who's in marketing. You're all in a revenue focus function. And your, your role is this and your role is that, but don't call it sales and don't call it marketing. We had a we had another guest, Darren, who who coined the phrase "mar sales," which, which is uh, her description of of what it needs to be going forward. And and final final question: We're building the Insider's Spotify playlist, Darren, and we ask every guest to choose a song to add to the playlist. This is this is often the question that is the most challenging for people. What is your chosen song, sir? What would you like to put on the Insider's playlist? As you said, it is the most time. Thankfully, you did give me prior warning. and I've been doing a bit of thinking this week. And I've come down on it. It had to be something from the jam. And I've finally settled on This Is The Modern World, which I think is quite apt. Beautiful. Great. Fantastic. I, th- I think it's the first jam song, bizarrely, the first jam song on, on the playlist. So uh, fantastic. Goes goes quite nicely alongside my pretty vacant choice yeah, from, well, from the, from, I, from the Sex option, Pistols. But... <laughs> sort of, ah, excellent. Yeah, always a good one to, to go for. So Richard, just in terms of key points for you from the conversation, there's been so much great stuff. This is going to be quite challenging to choose a few key points, I think. Yeah, it is definitely. And, and Darren, thank you from Simon, myself and, and all the listeners for your insight today. It's been a really, really great conversation. Just a, a few things I've I've scribbled down thinking in ink. Clarity on objectives. So begin with the end in mind is key. Probably if you're going to do one thing, then you know, plan it out and um, understand what you're aiming for. I made a note here, even the biggest brands have to work hard for success. So you might think that you look at other companies and they must have it sorted. Guess what? They haven't. I loved the discussion around the to bat on or not to bat on the football <laughs> analogy with, with agility. And I can just see Darren having his sabre with sort of wing backs and uh, people striding forward and, and support teams coming around. Um, the shift from lead gen to brand activation. I think that, you know, I, I recognize that in the market as well, where brand and, and then attribution. So how are we making, how we, do we know that we're making a difference? And, and finally, probably big takeaway for, for certainly for leaders of, of functions that are listening to us is maybe try and stop thinking about marketing and sales and think about revenue a revenue operation and that chief revenue officer role is becoming more popular and perhaps with that we've got the opportunity to really integrate these two areas that that are both totally vital to the success of any organization if you if you don't sell anything then you don't have a business and if you don't have a brand then it's really hard to sell stuff <laughs> so you know i think probably um all sides of the picture have a really important part to play, but but working together will, will be delivering the most success. Wonderful. Well, Darren, thank you ever so much for, for sharing your, your time, your wisdom and your expertise with the listeners uh, for The Insiders. And to those listeners, thank you ever so much for listening into this episode. Uh, please make sure you subscribe so you'll, you'll get notified of Insiders episodes when they're released, which they are being on a regular basis with some incredible guests, as evidenced by the quality of our interview today with Darren. And also, there are a number of episodes in the kind of the back catalogue as well that you'll be able to access and listen to to uh, from wherever you prefer to get your podcasts so thanks very much for listening in and and good luck to all our listeners with all of their sales and marketing efforts the insiders by durham lane subscribe today to never miss an episode